0: You cannot expect to raise children of faith if Christ is nothing more than the emergency room doctor. It's not going to stick because then it just looks like a crutch instead of a way of being in the world. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer-Gormley, and I am joined, as sometimes, by my handsome co-host, Dave The Ransom Is Paid Van
1: Vickle. How are you doing, Dave? (laughs) Great. (laughs) And The Ransom Is Paid, my friend. And I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, well, let me answer this
0: follow-up question. To (laughs) whom did The the Lamb pay The Ransom to? I don't... don't, Was it to the devil? Did Jesus give his blood to the devil? That doesn't make sense. uh, I know, I know, but most of the church fathers kind of say that's strange. Uh, in the in the early ages, yeah. You know who put a stop yeah. to that? Good old St. Anselm. He was the one that yeah. bluntly asked the question, to whom did Christ pay the ransom?
1: It's just yeah. an analogy. Don't push it too far. <laughs> <laughs> it was him. Uh, my kids get really mad because um, I don't even know where I learned this song. It must have been when I was in kindergarten or something, but every time we leave confession, then I sing this song I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Have you ever heard this song? No, I have not. I'm not. I'm not well, an They get really angry No, they get really angry because then then I the verses are Oh, you can't get to heaven on roller skates <laughs> and then it's like you'll roll right past those pearly gates you can't oh, get gosh. to heaven in a red canoe because god's favorite color is baby blue they hate it they despise it and i love singing it after confession so <laughs> just to annoy them
0: what a weird tradition you have what a, and what a weird song yeah it
1: is weird i, yeah. I don't know where it came from
0: okay <laughs> i'll tell you where it came from the 1970s catholic charismatic renewal that's where songs like that yeah. come from maybe maybe yeah I'm just David. kidding. I'm just kidding. Anywho, uh,
1: how are things? You doing anything fancy? Aren't you going to Dallas soon? Going to Dallas tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. No, Saturday morning. And uh, for a commencement sh- speech at Faustina Academy in Dallas, which is a fantastic little school there. And stop laughing about the fact that I'm doing a <laughs> commencement speech. It's, <laughs> it's, do you know, this is funny. I've been watched. Wa- you know, I, This is new for me. I've never yeah. done one of these. Yeah, so I've never so I watched them. a few. I watched a few on YouTube, and what I realized right away is I am not a normal choice for commencement speakers. (laughs) Like, uh, it's usually very successful people, doctors, business tycoons, lawyers, things like that. People that have some
0: measure of achievement in the world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then there's you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, So it'll be interesting hey kids yeah. uh
0: so i was participating in exorcism one day and uh, <laughs> a this demon down by the river yeah, this demon had pinned me uh <laughs> against the ceiling really crazy and uh and then he looked at me and he said follow your
1: bliss so i just want to talk to you guys about how to choose a career just follow oh, your bliss and you'll never weirdest, work a day in your life the, this is the weirdest <laughs> introduction of any of our episodes um <laughs> You're you're in uh, Georgia right now. The I am in Georgia. The,
0: I'm in the Smoky Mountains. I'm at a uh, nice Life Teens Hidden Lake Camp, which literally there is a hidden lake. It is awesome. Uh, and what does we, that mean? What does that a, even like, mean? A hidden lake. Okay, okay, uh, settle down. Number one, uh, it, was, it was probably a small river that someone dammed. Okay, so okay. and I don't mean cursed. Uh, <laughs> and so it's just like nestled, in it's very. It's very narrow, and it's not super huge, but it's definitely not a pond. And it is cool because you're just, like, walking, and all of a sudden it's ah, like, whoop, there's okay. a lake. There's a lake oh, right here. Okay. So I'm sure it was, a, cool. it was a very small river that was, you know, dammed and, and became this, you know, tiny all lake. Right. But it is. It's, it's cool. nestled. It's hidden. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nestled. It's nestled. It's nestled like yeah. my son Thomas is nestled in my arms right now. Say hi to yeah. Mr. Dave and all the people hi hello he said hello in a very artificial voice he's cold he's cold he's he's a strong man he lifts weights so anywho yeah so i'm here and what i'm doing is i'm training the young adults and next week they will bring about 204 middle schoolers on the site on this campsite. It's a beautiful campsite Apparently, the Army Rangers have a training base just over the ridge of the mountains here. And they'll say, cool. like, at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, helicopters will fly over and stuff like that every so often. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it is awesome. Um, and so uh, the, it's, it's just beautiful grounds. Like, I've taken my kids, and the lake is freezing cold. Um, but oh, really? uh, we've gone in the lake. We've gone uh, to a creek nearby. We've walked the trails where they have stations of the cross. And so it's great. It got me into the youth ministry vibe and seeing this, how my son keeps invading our podcast. Let's talk about evangelizing children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought we, I thought that would be, yeah. I mean, we, we do get the question from time to time. I thought talk about evangelizing young children in particular, um, because I think, well, my opinion is that it's the easiest genre, right. Um, but it can also be very nuanced, right? Like you have to be, you know, kind of careful about how much you're giving at at certain times right so i i wanted to talk a little bit about you know just good best practices for evangelizing children and i wouldn't say i'm an expert it's been a while but i you know we both have spent a lot of time and we have our own children of course who may or may not be evangelist maybe they're heathens i don't oh, know gosh, mine be. are if, but if by <laughs> their fruits you shall know them my kids are in a
0: viking death cult
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, it's a, it's a question that, that comes in often. And I think, you know, one of the things to remember is that I think for a lot of us, we kind of associate, uh, sin with the time to evangelize. And that's really not the way to look at it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that we want to start building that beautiful relationship with Jesus. Uh, but way before we start to notice, like, you know, serious lack of virtue in a kid's life or something like that. But it seems to me like, you know, in parish work, a lot of times when the parents came and started to get concerned about it is when they would start to see different things in their kid's life that they were like, oh, I've got to start, you know, being serious about church or evangelization. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, you know, we have to start earlier than that. Yeah, you cannot expect to
0: raise children of faith if your faith is emergency room only type things, right? Like if Christ is nothing more than the emergency room doctor, uh, you, you you're not. It's not going to stick because then then it, it it just looks like a crutch instead of a way of being in the world. So my biggest my biggest things when it comes to evangelizing your own children, but also young children, is um it, it's fairly simple, right? It's the witness component, but the witness has two areas. One is model, meaning you live it yourself just by living it, right? So model and then speak, right? You, you know, share it, demonstrate it, right? You can't share it. You can't talk it unless you're also walking it. And the kids need to see that. The best thing for your own kids to see is for you to do something and for them to come up to you and say, why do you do that? Do that. Right. That opens a positive, receptive catechetical opportunity. The next thing is when when you talk about this, you want to expose them to a wide variety of Catholic tradition and spirituality, because, I mean, it's true. The spirit is what gives life. Uh, The letter cannot just give life. It's not just about following rules. And as parents of young kids, and sometimes we incorporate this in our youth ministry and elementary faith formation classes, is we lead, we, we, we follow the liberal Protestant line of Immanuel Kant, where we reduce Christianity to just morality, and we're trying to make nice boys and girls. And a lot of that, as a parent, comes from a place of fear of them ruining their lives, or, you know, like, yeah, ruining their lives, ruining their social lives, ruining friendships sure. or you know, whatever it might be. And and we could be t- coming from a completely right place, like, don't do this, this will hurt you. But oftentimes our Christianity is reduced to a moralism. So when you lead with spirituality and you expose them to the wide variety of it, what ends up happening is one of those methods of, let's just say, um, praying as a family if you just do the rosary, I would encourage you to expand it maybe to different other forms of prayer so that you're not imposing your spiritual life onto them. They can definitely experience your spiritual life and your wife's spiritual life or husband's or whatever. But it's what ends up happening is a lot of kids, when they go through that kind of rebellious stage, not everyone does, but many do, in order to understand who they are. Because it's always been like Catholicism is my dad's faith or my mom's faith, their rebellion against you is simultaneously rebelling against the church. Right. So right. Yeah, that would be my time. Yeah. So you want to witness, you want to model, you want to speak about. Right. But you also want to expose them to a wide variety of ways of following the Lord Jesus so that they can find their own path something that suits their personality you know and I, I think that's important to head off the i'm chucking this whole thing because i'm mad at my dad or something
1: yeah i i totally agree and i totally also think that you can overdo this you know you can overdo like the religiosity yeah and i think like that you have to be really careful to make sure that when you expose them to things that you give them a reason for why they're being exposed to these things. Yeah. Uh, because if somebody, you know, if you, if your memory, I was talking to a friend the other day and his memory of the Catholic church is, Having to kneel and get up at Good Friday services, you know, uh, during the petitions, yeah. And how much he like despised it when he was little. He went to like some church where it would be like a half hour long, you know, and <laughs> and he hated it so much. And he never really understood why, you know, and and that can be confusing too, like you know, to for them if they don't understand why. So we want to make sure that we give them the reason behind that. We also want to make sure that we're starting to foster a good grasp of the charisma in their life, which. You know, a lot of you have probably thought about how to communicate your, the Kerygma to older kids, to older people, but for children, it's it's almost the easiest in my opinion. You know, like uh, one of the things that I do in my family is I basically try to incorporate the one aspect of the Kerygma every night into my prayer before dinner. You know, so I'll do like spontaneous prayer for the family before dinner and I'll just say like maybe one night might just be that there is a God and he created us and I'll just Add that into my prayer, like, God, we thank you so much that you, you know, you are sovereign and that you created us, that you're cre- the creator of all things. And then the next night I might say, you know, that, uh, you know, I might add into the prayer, like, we're sorry for our sin and we're sorry for the separation it's caused between us and God, you know, and I would just kind of continue on like that as a way to kind of expose them to the kerygma without, um, without like sitting down and being like, okay, family, everybody listen to this. I'm going to give you the, you know, six, seven steps of the kerygma here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I think another fear that I have when it comes to just parenting my own kids is, and I see this with some of my friends, like their whole life is, is not just, how do I put this? Their whole life is pietistic, right? Like everything in their life is Catholic stuff. And there's nothing in the world almost that is lovely and beautiful and honorable. It's all a potential sin. And I would say that there's a huge danger. Like when they are in their late middle school and early high school, part of your parenting with them is communicating to them discernment how to hold on to what is good and get rid of the rest and there is a lot 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 of good in our arts in our movies in our music and there's also a lot of trash and you know and demonic yeah. counterfeits and lies in there too and so what we need to do as mature catholics like we need to help them navigate the world because w- when you quarantine them from the world as such you're also quarantining them from the theater of redemption Right? Because the world, one of the definitions of the world, and and there are many variants of the way the New Testament defines the world, but one of it is just the theater of redemption for God so loved the world. And so our goal, our goal is to bring the salt and light into the world, right? Um, I was just reading in in doing my ongoing study of atonement theology, which I am obsessed with. Um, There's this wonderful Catholic author that I've been reading who wrote his book on Christology, and he goes through major protestant theologians and their work in christology so he goes through luther and calvin but then he also goes through liberal Protestantism of Immanuel kant and Schleiermeyer and uh some other guy that i can't think of right now and then he goes through Bultmann, bart and bonhoeffer and bonhoeffer maybe you know a few weeks before the allies liberated germany from the nazis he was put to death trying to take down hitler and he has this this incredible theology that in his, the darkest part of him in the dungeons, basically of, of the Nazi prison camps, he had this intimate encounter with the love of God for the world. And it, it really challenged him to, to see the world as something worth living and dying for, not in the sense that it's a world alienated from God, but this is the thing that God loved, right? So let's go love it. But, but oftentimes, because there's so much sin and fallenness, as Catholics, we want to keep that stuff away from our kids, right? We freak out. We do that. We have to let them become at, in a certain sense and navigate the world because if they can't, they will, when they leave you, go into the deep waters of college or whatever, and they will abandon their faith
1: nine times out of ten. Yeah. Nine times
0: yeah, out I, of ten. I keep,
1: I, I keep saying that. I've, I've had this argument. My wife and I have even argued about it, is that there is, a, there is a certain amount of prudent exposure to the world yeah. so that they know what's there, you know? And I think that that's... Now, I, I, I had friends growing up, you know, whose parents, you know, basically like threw them to the wolves, you know, yeah. saying like, well, I don't want them to go wild in college. You know, that's different. That's more of a moralism again. Like they, yeah. they want them to be prepared for those things. But I agree with you. I think that there is a certain amount of teaching them how to discern the world around them so that they can understand that. And I think it is it like, it's harder and harder now because um, if you are trying to li- to raise a virtuous young person, they are going to be more and more isolated nowadays. So it it will be difficult. I would also say that there's a certain amount of just, just natural discipline that is needed to be able to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, that I've seen this all the time that there are parents who just don't discipline their kids and they don't teach any discipline to their kids whatsoever. And so they just once, you know, it's like following their commands is no different than following Jesus's commands. You know, they're not going to be able to follow his commands if they can't follow their parents commands, you know, so you have to have a little bit of that. And as I speak, Gomer's son is like throwing Water balloons at him and Gomer screaming, No, no, no. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Ma- just make good choices, <laughs> Billy. <laughs> I don't want to get No, but I mean, like developing along those lines, like responding to Christ's call, it's not just about doing the kerygma In fact, one of the most negative comments we received on this show where someone said something along the lines of, like uh, why are you filled with so much negativity? I'll be praying for yeah. you. Do you remember that email? Oh Yeah, we got, yeah it, we got ripped. Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was funny because when you start making definite lines, when it comes to Christian morality, all of a sudden people who are motivated by evangelization, the whole point of that episode was we cannot hide the moral teachings of the church behind the kerygma. We can't hide. We have to proclaim them because they are really enslaving people and we need to set them free. Right. But it, It is funny to me because it's almost as if Jesus is just this this life-giving bliss and that's it. Like a a feeling of utter affirmation from God for the way you're living life and do life. But in reality, we have to teach our kids to be not just disciplined or, or not just moral, but disciplined. And what I mean by that is that discipline goes through multiple areas right? Yeah. And there are different ways to teach discipline, but I tell my kids all the time, like, we'll watch a, an old-school Disney movie, right? And there are themes that you can draw. Like, Pinocchio is one of the greatest movies to draw out these themes with kids. Like, look, here's Pinocchio doing all of these things. Like, look, he's popular as this stringless marionette, yeah. you know, and that that guy <laughs> who is, uh, what is his name? Gimbaldi or something like that. And <laughs> who's taking advantage, he got the fox and all this. And, like, you go through this, and you're trying to teach them, like, There are people in the world who want to use you, but if you don't know who you are, it can become very easy to lose your ground because of fame or money or pressure or, you know, all of these things. And we do it with our kids with like, you know, say no to drugs and alcohol and stuff like that, but we don't necessarily form them for the good and honorable life that we want them to live in Christ Jesus, and that's where I think as parents, we're failing them with the gospel because we're giving them Jesus, many of us, but we're not giving them the way of the cross. And the Via Crucis
1: is how you follow Jesus, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I'm glad you, you said it because it perfectly segues into what I wanted to be the next point. And that is, you know, giving them tools to be able to follow Jesus Christ. One of those tools is just boredom. I've realized, you know, just the idea that you do not meet every need, including the meet the need of just constant entertainment. You know, when we, when we were at our old parish uh, and we were still homeschooling, my son, Sam would, I mean, this is when he was in third grade, I guess. Yeah. Third grade, he, he would, you know, finish his homeschool work and he would come over and he would do a holy hour. He'd bring his little kid's Bible. He would do a holy hour at adoration. And then he would come and hang out in my office, you know? And and he'd read comic books in my office. And people used to just be like, how, how, like, what is that all about? You know, like, why is he? And I would say, like, where do you think he's supposed to be? And they'd say, at home watching TV or playing on an iPad or something like that. And I would say, well, we don't have any of those, you know, like, they don't have them. Like, it gave him a, and he loved it. He loved the independence of going to do it on his own, mm-hmm. he loved you know he, the the devotional aspect of it, he loved the spiritual aspect of it and it was it was a beautiful time and I think that we sell them short when we just decide to meet every single need in their life, including their calendar and their schedule and making sure that they're never that they're always occupied these kinds of things you know it's it's bad it 's a trap it, that we get we into. we have the, the modern tendency
0: of parents for kids and the same is true when i go on retreats led for kids when i do vacation bible yeah. school for kids um the a common theme is overscheduling every minute of yeah. every day it needs to be accounted for and um you know and me and dave are both fans of cal newport um and he has this thing called time block planning and one of the things is just the idea of like no for the next x amount of hours you're on your own to go and enjoy and figure things out on your own and to be bored and not get into trouble being bored you know like find out good things to do it's funny that you say that because right now all four of my kids are in their room uh up in this cabin here on ipads uh it's the only way to keep them
1: (laughs) quiet for the next 10 minutes um (laughs) oh yeah i mean that's happened so in the last year of my life i was just saying somebody last night uh unfortunately i've used the television to to babysit a little bit just because yeah i couldn't i literally didn't know how to get work done without it but yeah but is there, i isn't it's, that the it's best. a slippery is that the best it's, no it's the don't best. say that no it's a slippery
0: slope <laughs> it is it is but i was babysat using television my parents put a tv in my bedroom when i was like a fetus they're like just watch gormley just watch i can't stand you anymore <laughs> in your beard <laughs> you know i came out of the womb i was 11 pounds two ounces and I had a is full beard and a beret. Yeah, true story. My <laughs> mom had gestational diabetes. Pray for her. Pray for her. Um, but no, when we, when we talk about um, scheduling and overscheduling and micromanaging every minute, um, I, I'll never forget this talk that a, a Life Teen Youth Minister gave years and years ago. He works with Life team. name named Steve Allgaier. And he said, one of the great lies of the modern world to excuse us of our over-busyness is the notion of quality time. He said, and that's one of the great lies because for most of us, because we are used to a certain standard of living, it requires both people to be working. And he he made all the caveats and disclaimers of, you know, obviously if you're poor and both people need to work, that's one thing, but most people aren't, they just want to live above their means. And for a lot of us, you know, if you make $50,000, you're good a year, like you're good. You can handle most though, not all expenses that come your way. But we feel like, well, if both of us are making fifty thousand, we're pulling in a hundred thousand. Then we can finally breathe. And the, his, <laughs> which point, is such
1: a joke, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you, <laughs> you can get underwater. Your, no matter your wants how much expand.
1: Goes. Yeah, your wants yeah. expand with your. Yeah.
0: And so his comment was: We use the phrase "quality time" because we think what that means is I can't give my kids a lot of my time, but when I'm with them. I'll give them, it'll be high quality time. And he said, and the reason why that's a lie is we say that to get ourselves off the hook. But ultimately, it, it becomes, I take them on corporate vacations right like i I take them to disney world i have these pre-scripted planned out micromanaged controlled events that i take them to and i feel the same way a a lot in youth ministry and one of the things that the reason why the only (laughs) active youth ministry stuff i really do are camps and conferences is because there's this element of like you know what for the next three hours you have free time yeah just just hang out Just walk around. And so Steve Allgaier said, it's in the quantity, in the midst of the quantity, where the spontaneous quality arises. And I love that. And I think that's so true. I love that so
1: much. And I agree 100%. I really do.
0: Right. And it's when, I mean, like, just think about your own relationship with your kids where you are, quote unquote, wasting time with your children. You're wasting time with them, right? You're not really doing anything. You're not really accomplishing anything. You're just doing stuff. And they're around, and you're around them, and you're together, then all of a sudden they ask you a pointed question. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's yeah. incredible how this stuff happens. And that's only
1: through proximity. By the way, you know, we're talking about kids, but that applies to every bit of evangelization. Yeah. Like, it's in the quantity that, say it one more time. It's in the quantity. Oh, dude, I just kind of like, yeah, it's in the spont. <laughs> hey, hey. Was, the spontaneous quality. It's yeah. in the quantity that the spontaneous quality arises. Yeah. At can arise, and I, that that is such a great line for evangelists because yeah. it's, it's absolutely the truth. And, and that's also
0: true about our prayer life and because it's, it's like this idea of like a holy hour. Well, I don't get anything out of it. And it's like, well, maybe you're not here to get anything out of it other than being with the God of the universe who redeemed you and is now God become man, become bread, right? Like here you are yeah. in front of the bread of angels. Maybe just sit in his presence for a while and let that be enough. Right. And then all of a sudden, you do that for three weeks, something happens. Boom. You yeah. Know, right. The boom. We all have experienced Absolutely. that. The profound boredom of being still before God with nothing to say, and we've gone, uh, done our rosary and our Bible reading,
1: and now it's like, oh my God, you're really here. That's really you. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like you're not answering your own questions, and you feel like God is speaking to you, you know? and. Mm in 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 a silence in in a language too too quiet for words you know um w- what i want to say is you know there's a time a sweet spot for youth in responding to the holy spirit yeah not that not that there's ever not a time but what i'm trying to get across to you is that prepare your children for high school because for the most part high school is going to be the time when people most Leave and fall away from responding to the Holy Spirit. But for some people, for me, it was the time when I was so free to just say yes to God completely. And what I'm asking you to do is like, you know, take a vested interest in in, in that idea that you're preparing your kids so that when their faith becomes an adult faith, when they're confirmed, when the character of confirmation is it's not just I believe in Jesus Christ, but I, I profess it publicly, right? Yeah. High school is an awesome time for that. You know, you, you can really truly prepare your children to be totally free to, to answer that call completely, and I, just, uh, I would encourage you to do that. It reminds me of a story that
0: my buddy, uh, whom you know, Adam Robozzelli, he, uh, he told me he used to work. I'm, I'm full of Life Teen stories now that I'm up at their summer camp. But he told the story of um, one day I went through, it was my first year as a youth minister. I got all these old Life team VHS training videos, you know, on cassette tape. Yeah, and sure, I'm just yeah. watching them one after the other because I felt, you know, imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be here. You know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I watched all these videos and there was a handful of these videos with this woman who, if I could say so, is insanely breathtakingly gorgeous, right? And I'm watching this video, and the whole time I'm thinking, and she's, you know, giving a nice little presentation. I'm like, oh, I bet you they hired an actress because she's like a model. like she's, And I was like, I bet you they hired someone because I knew that she didn't work at Life Team because I met all the Life Team people. And then a few months later, I went to... The Lifeteen offices in Arizona where they have their film studio, video studio. And Adam Robozelli was working there. And I was talking with Adam. And I had mentioned, I said, hey, I saw on Lifeteen there were these videos of this woman, blah, blah, blah. And I asked him about her. I was like, is she an employee? Have I never met her? And he goes, oh, no. And he tells me the story of this woman who she was uh, just out of college when they filmed the videos. And she was in a Lifeteen youth group, all this stuff. But she was like so deeply committed to Christ that he said the the high school was like a high school i think in, in in phoenix that she said she everyone says this that graduated with her she single-handedly raised the bar of what it meant to be a human person in that high school like they would say it. that the teachers were better teachers the students like there was uh-huh. like it was like the one year there were no drunk driving accidents like from you know killing you know like all these horrible news you know the tragedies here in the news of like teenagers getting drunk like it just like the wild parties like just went away and she raised the tone and they were like she was just so good that people wanted to be with her like she was she made people holy and i was like wow that that and and, and adam hears this as just someone who like Maybe sees a video and is like, "Hey, who's this person?" It's like, "Oh, let me tell you about the greatest kid we ever had in youth group, (laughs) right?" And and it's amazing. Like we don't realize the power of effective peer
1: ministry in high school. But you're you're right. They're
0: they're so free to follow Christ in that
1: time. Yeah, and if you just have a little bit of boldness, and that little bit of boldness comes from deep roots that are you know sunk there uh, from the time they're you know little children.
0: Yeah, and I would just say this last comment: the Christian life is a fully human life right it is not a sequestered life it is not a quarantined life right right it is a fully human life so like we do not circle the wagons yeah and i was uh i was speaking with the college students last night and i said you know i was with someone who made a comment about a deathbed confession of a rock star how lucky is that guy not only did he get to live his life doing whatever he wanted but he died and went straight, you know, and went to heaven or, you know, like was forgiven and all that stuff. And I said, listen, I, I know what you're saying and I know where you're coming from. And I used to think the same thing, but that man carried hell within him for his whole yeah. life. Wouldn't it be better to carry heaven within you? Like, wouldn't it be better right. to not ruin your marriage, to not make music that, that gave glory to everything but God, to not live your life in, in a counterfeit? And he was like, well, when you put it that way, and I was like, right, but that's the way we should put it. So I say this when it comes to our kids, like the discernment, all this stuff, um, human virtues like deferred gratification, that's what it means to be an adult. And we have to train our kids for that, how to handle boredom, right? How to find God in stillness, right? Not just how to entertain yourself, but how to deal with being alone with yourself, Most high school students and most adults do not know how to do that. They don't know how to be alone, which is why they turn to their phones, which is why they seek their identity in social media and acceptance. And it's just why they hang by a thread when a bully comes after them and targets them for some unknown reason. And so our ability to see the Christian life as a fully human life, the glory of God is man fully alive, as St. Irenaeus said. That should shape the way we view it, like cultivate the artistic skills, cultivate those soft virtues as well as the hard virtues of courage and fortitude and long suffering and all this stuff that all of this together makes the human person because it's conforming your child or the teen or the, 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 the child in your parish program or whatever, it conforms them to Christ, right? That's what we want. We want the total Christ, not just the Christ who's
1: afraid to be <laughs> led into sin or whatever. Right. Right. Amen. Uh, we're going to come back in just a minute after a brief message from our sponsors at Ascension Press. And uh, we're going to have some practical tips for you again, like like the old days. We're going to give you a few practical tips for evangelizing children. Uh, as always, if you have any questions or glory stories, we'd love to hear those too. Email us at eksb at com. That's EKSB at ascensionpress.com. And if you're a new listener, I mean, uh, we haven't said this in a while. Feel free if we've uh, if you've been blessed by this, feel free to uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a, a, a rating there, maybe even make a comment. So we'll be right back.
2: What if you could see that the infinite God is present in your life? What if it was as simple as stopping, opening your heart, and allowing yourself to be found? I'm Danielle Bean, an author, speaker, and host of The Girlfriends Podcast. In my new book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, I share wisdom from the saints, real-life experiences, and prayer practices that help you to see, know, and grow closer to God in your everyday life, no matter how busy you are. If you've ever been inspired by stories of great saints, but wondered where that leaves the rest of us, this book is for you. In it, we explore how we meet God in joy, pain, other people, prayer, and in the awesome gift of the sacraments. Join me on this journey of letting go, being still, and allowing God to meet us right here, right now, right where we are. Order your copy of Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday at ascensionpress.com.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Niche Show. Bow. Thanks, Ascension Press. We love them. Big hugs, big kisses, to us, our friends over at Ascension Press. That was weird. I apologize. Um, so, just what we're gonna do in Georgia? <laughs> it is. It is. We're just. It's just so much love. So much love here. Bless their hearts. Um, what we're gonna do is give you three, three practical tips on how to work with children, evangelize children, and bring them uh, home to Christ.
1: Dave. Yeah, well, we're recording this episode the day after the feast of Saint Philip Neri, uh, who is uh, you know along with Saint John Bosco, kind of like the master of evangelizing children. Um, so I'm going to give you just a, a real easy suggestion: is get to know Saint Philip Neri, get to know him well, uh, find a book about him and about his methods and teachings. Uh, you'll find a treasure trove of how to evangelize the youth. All right, you're you're going to think this is a paid endorsement,
0: but it is not. It is not, I am going to tell you to get, uh, especially if you have young kids, if you're in a parish, if you teach CCE, if you volunteer in youth ministry, whatever, for young kids, I would recommend you get the new book that just came out from Ascension Press on the Catholic Bible Chronicles. It has, uh, I believe it's 70 stories, and each of the stories are give you the big picture of salvation history following Jeff Cavins, The Great Adventure Bible Timeline stuff. And I bought it. I'm, I'm going to say, this is what makes it an excellent book. There are 70 stories in a large book that has beautiful artwork. So your little kids can look at the artwork while you read the stories. There are 70 stories, and I've said that now f- like 15 times, which means that each of the stories are short. They're short enough that it will hold their attention span so you can read it to your young kids. I would encourage you to read it in order so you can see the rhyme and the rhythm and the typology that flows through them. But they're excellent to give the kids an imaginative hook into sacred scripture. And you can use this with a 10-year-old and a 5-year-old right? You can make your 10-year-old. So I have I have this deal, Dave. This is what I do. This is the ransom that I make my kids pay for their <laughs> own sins. I tell them every story they finish, I'll give them a quarter, and they have to read it in order, right? So on, nice. feast, on various uh, days where, like, Ascension, uh, coincidentally, Ascension, the Feast of Ascension, I brought the book with us to Mass, and I read them the Ascension story right before Mass started. And then my youngest son, Thomas, was looking at the picture during the during the homily so you can see this beautiful overlap between yeah here's a beautiful story you know here's that here's you know the the big picture of the bible all kind of coming together
1: i w- so if you want to use my method it's tell them that they should read it or they're going to hell for sure oh, i use the there, opposite it, there it just is. kidding <laughs> uh and number three um as we've said with almost every practical evangelization episode give moments of encounter, give moments of encounter where you're um, not necessarily doing an altar call for your children, but giving them moments to encounter Jesus Christ and to respond to his, uh, his love. And you will see beautiful things happen if you do that.
0: Okay. So I just imagine in your house, you have a stereo sitting on your kitchen counter and you push play and oceans (laughs) is playing in the background. Yeah. Right. And and you have a microphone (laughs) with like a little speaker and the reverb is cranked way up. And you're like, Lord Jesus, Jesus, I just want to give you all praise and honor, and I want to invite everyone to come down to the kitchen table if they want to receive Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior.
2: Come hey, what's wrong with that? I chair. don't see anything
1: wrong with that. No, no. I can beautiful. tell you right now, if I did that right now, Judah would come tearfully in and get on his knees and give his life to the Lord. So he, he'd be on his you.
0: knees with his arms outstretched crying. I
1: know <laughs> he, would. he absolutely <laughs> would.
0: <laughs> you came yeah, that's awesome. Amen. I, uh, I love that idea. And let me tell you how it happened for my family just yesterday. Or maybe two days ago. So I've been giving these talks and my kids have been coming to the talks, which is so weird because I'm talking to college students. And at the end of it, I had said, write down that one thing that's keeping you from God, you know, relationships, lies, sins, wounds, fears, you know, whatever it might be. And uh, two of my kids did it. They did it. They walked. they, they, They went out in the meditation. They sat down on the grass. They spent about 10, 15 minutes. They wrote something down. They threw it in a big bucket. Uh, to be burned and then i told them all now you never have to go to confession i love it just kidding hopefully hopefully on that paper it didn't say daddy i that's what i said Um, i was like come on katiri be honest it just says my (laughs) name over and over (laughs) and over again (laughs) all right y'all this has been every need Show Bow, your weekly catholic podcast on evangelization adios god bless